press this. Hello, 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 hello. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I have. I hear you well. Loud and clear, loud and clear. Uh, loud and clear. So. <laughs> um, so I always just do a brief introduction, which is, this is the ZM podcast. Mm-hmm. 005. Um, what was... Um, bio musicology is the word that I was going to use. <laughs> or the biology of music. I think that's better. Yeah? Yeah. I try and keep it as like one word. Um, but it was hard to like loop it in with what you wanted to talk about anyway. Because I was like, okay, we want to go through like neuroscience through to events through to all, the, all these different yeah. things put together uh, because like actually the the, the biology of music that yep. encompasses so many topics not just the neuroscience of music yep. from our nerves in our body to uh, the evolutionary theories about music and the anthropology of music which is also very that, interesting. that was the thing usually i have like a rough idea where we're going to go with the conversation but yours i have like very clear questions <laughs> that I have with regards so to all these things. I, yeah. I try to answer them as good as I can. Yeah, that's, of per- course, no, that's like perfect. There will be a lot of stuff where it's just we don't know yet yeah, or yeah, I yeah. don't know because I don't want to um, as- assume something. I will try to say and uh, mark it before when I make an assumption when I say this is not like a fact and that's the case with a lot of evolutionary anthropology in that's general. A, that's okay, man. It's not going to okay. be a quiz. It's not a test. No, no, I, I know, <laughs> but like... <laughs> yeah. Well, I, the, the main one that I kind of wanted to like start with was the... Let me put it as just like the biology of music, right? Because there's only very few kind of um, factual related things that I've learned actually for music. So the first one is to do with like our brain recognizing the next beat. So this anti- anticipation of the next beat. And I'm pulling this back from when I was like, I don't know, 12 watching some, you know, National Geographic, I don't know, documentary or something. And they compared our brains to like chimpanzees and the fact that the human brain anticipates the next beat that's kind of coming. So I don't know, is that still like... Yeah, that's still the the common, uh, the, common the, the standpoint of science where we at. Okay. But... Uh, the, the theory surrounding this is actually like much bigger. It's called predictive coding. And uh, a lot of neuroscientists now assume that all our senses of perception, like our visual sense, auditory sense, works in a way of predicting, oh, of wow. trying to predict our environment and the uh, stimuli from our environment. And music, might, uh, so we might assume now that music works in such a well way with our uh, perceptual systems is because it mimics this way of playing with the concepts of oh, prediction okay, and okay. anticipation. Yeah, because the only thing I learned when I did my physio degree was based on like why it's important that we remember things. And the reason mm-hmm. that it's important that we remember things because we will then be able to build a picture of what might actually come next, what might come in the future. So you're saying that it's actually like music is us playing with that that loop. So we know that a beat has happened before, and then we are able to piece a picture together that it will happen again, and yeah, then it like exactly. cycles through that. And and that works oh, cool. on ma- macro and micro levels when you see yeah. it because when you listen to a genre, genre is like the definition of certain anticipations. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, that true. Go with yeah. It. And when you listen to a techno track and it doesn't have like a four on the floor type kick beat, yeah. it's not a techno track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definition. So. When somebody breaks that notion, he plays with your sense of what you already know, your framework of oh, this music. Wow. Okay. And that the same is true for um, smaller elements, harmonic elements. So, yeah, w- 
that was the, that was the part I was going to lead on because I've understood this like repetition of the rhythmic side oh. of things, and also I think I understand. So rhythms happen all the time, right? So rhythms happen. You're walking, for example. I always think of that. You walk at a certain pace, and there, there's a cycle to it, right? But when it comes to like harmonies and melodies, I don't understand. Well, I, I can't like I understand why a minor chord once it's like I don't know what you say completed with you land back on the major. I understand that our brain like really what can I say really enjoys that aspect of it. But you're saying that it also leads back into this anticipation. Exactly. You know? That's why we have like why dissonance plays an important role in music yeah. because also um, dissonance is, is used to uh, create a contrast. From every music theorist knows this. It's yeah. not, not, not nothing from neuroscience, um, but in neuroscience we now know because when in our cochlea we have these neuron re uh, these receptors yeah. um, which uh, receive the the frequencies, and so if you have a certain uh, a certain tone, it will also have like a s fundamental frequency, which yeah. let's say is 100 hertz, and then whenever you double that, you have uh, are one octave yes. higher, yeah, yeah. and then you have the overtones. So um, your neurons will react in a certain pattern, in a certain uh, circle, yeah. may as well call it, depending on those tones. Okay. Um, so we have certain neurons that are, um, their, jobs is, their job is to take on certain frequencies and only those frequencies. Okay. But if you have, for example, on the piano, the most dissonant tones are the ones that are really close to each other. Yeah. Because there you have the biggest overlap of uh, overtones that's not synchronous. Oh, so okay, and that's okay. is what kind of creates the dissonance because our ears also having problem uh, problems, our ears have problems in perceiving uh, the oh, frequencies the, the, oh, that yeah, overlap. Yeah, okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. And, and when you think when we think about chords and like the whole Western music theory that yeah. builds upon that, uh, with the triad chords, it's basically the one chord and the five chord or the yeah. two chord and yeah. the four chord. They are related because like two uh, two tones in each chord are the same. Yeah. So um, that's what plays into it. There's a, a synchrony between the overtones, and that's harmonious to us. Wow. Um, okay. And playing with that because like lullabies for example children's songs yeah. th th these songs are purely harmonious yeah. like a, um, you have songs that only jump between the one and the five yeah, yeah. or the fundamental yeah. and the um, fourth and fifth so uh, in general you know children they don't seem to be very fond of dissonant sounds and you yeah. can see this with a child yeah. that will cry uh, quite quickly if you play a loud metal track yeah okay so, okay so, but th that's not, of course, like the rule. There will be children yeah. who love metal tracks, yeah. and I don't want yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> like, because I, I know somebody I know many will say, so, <laughs> my son is four and he loves metal. <laughs> I haven't sang any metal tracks to my brother's little girl yet, but that'll be the next one. <laughs> About like a heavy bass, and I'll just have some guy on the double bass drums. <laughs> yeah, it just remembers me of my, my girlfriend's niece. Yeah. Uh, she was uh, two or three at the time last Christmas. Yeah. Um, and uh, Chingle, she wanted to listen to Chingle Bells. That was one of the songs. She uh, she okay, she yeah, she that she knew. Or yeah, 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 from kindergarten. And because it's so repetitive, yeah. and that's something children can easily. That's uh, it's not too complex for their prediction systems, yeah. if you, yeah. if we put it like that. And um, so, and after that, like just from YouTube random play, there was a Beatles song, and not not so something. Uh, very, it was from Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club, uh, Lonely Hearts Club band, and it was when the part when the distortion of the guitars was coming, oh, okay, like yeah. with a, with a riser. Yeah, I was seeing in the face of her how how 
she was afraid yeah like how, how that make her, made her uncomfortable yeah. dissonance but so that's also my question then with regard uh, that was a question that i had for you as well with regards to like the influences that we have um so take so take a child right i would assume a child doesn't like a distorted guitar because for them at the start a distorted guitar sounds like a like a warning like something if we were in the wild that wouldn't happen so their brains have to almost learn that certain sounds are okay and then is it something that like once we start to learn that these sounds are okay that's when we can start to develop to like enjoy them do you know what i mean yes that's definitely possible yeah okay so we we wouldn't listen to avant-garde music yeah. in a way that really plays with this notion of yeah. making us uncomfortable and i think in the like na late 19th century with the romanticism music there there was uh, composers were coming to a limit of harmony of what you could do yeah, with what, the yeah, harmonic yeah. system that were already in place and yeah. then in the early 20th century you see this explosion of new styles yeah, and 12-tone yeah. music and uh, every because they um, and that's the question because we try to um, break through the, the cultural frameworks that, that influence how we perceive harmony how our yeah. scales are constructed and so those play a huge role in our enjoyment and experience of music, yeah, but yeah. we can definitely learn to enjoy new styles of music. Like yeah, 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 for sure. Well, I mean, I think that's the thing that people will start off. Even like if you talk about like electronic music, yeah. people will start off on the very like soft version of it first, and then they will slowly develop into the more crazy sounds. And then you get people who love the like industrial Berlin stuff, which is basically just loud noises, yeah. uh, like a drum kit being pushed down the stairs, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> people are like, turn it up! <laughs> with a good pattern. <laughs> yeah, of course. It. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. because that was another thing I was thinking about. So before these podcasts, I always kind of like run through what I would be very interested to discuss with my guests. And one of the things I was also interested in is you take classical music, as you said, within whatever, say the 18th century up until the 20th. And there was like, there wasn't that much of like a rhythmical aspect of it. I know there was, still was, but not in the same way that our music then developed in the 20th, 21st century, where it's like bass and rhythm has become the most important part for the music that we listen to. So I was, like, I was wondering, is that like a, is there like a reason that we've developed more and more towards loud bass sounds? Not always, but you know what I mean? It seems that a lot of the music that we listen to now is based around that. But but if if we just go and focus about rhythm, I think it's more a return to that because oh, like okay, mo okay. most yeah. like um, classical music is like an exception yeah. in the in the large scale of human history. Okay. So if we just look at the like our harmony developed like say in baroque music yeah. in, in the ways or uh, at the earliest at the Gregorian chants at yeah. the 12th century. So that's 400 to 800 years depending on how you want to see it. Yeah. But like human beings make music for far longer period yeah, of time yeah, yeah. so um, the oldest flutes from homo sapiens we have are around 40,000 years old Whoa. and reconstructed we can play them and it's also it's like a pentatonic in a way and do, did they have similar like did, did it fall within like the 12 like scale like 12 note scale that we have or was it more just they kind of played with like low frequency high frequency so, so scales around the world is generally an interesting thing yeah. um, but the there are so many different scales there, uh, but the most common scale has five uh, five notes. Okay. Like, okay. And 
there's there are only like two human universals when it comes to sc- uh, scales so that almost every musical culture yeah. has it and that's of course the octave when you yeah. double the frequency okay yeah and in the uh, the fifth the middle like the stabilizing oh. point wow okay but apart from that there's no fixed rule to w- how ma- uh, many and where the notes will be placed on the frequency spectrum wow got you cool so you're saying that so it was 40,000 years ago is when we were already making flutes and then from bare bones as yeah. well so like yeah. really highly specialized in crafting these and do, do you think they were like do you think it was for a production of art already then or do you think it was more just to like generate noise to kind of whatever to signal to each other to you know because we like we even had like horns at some stage that were probably just to say hey i'm over here you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I think like by 40,000 years ago, we were definitely making music Already? in groups wow, like the way we are doing yeah, yeah. uh, 2,000 years ago yeah. or uh, 1,000 years ago. Um, but um, the question is, how much longer uh, was this going on? So when okay. did it start? That's like... Um, because I, I think when we look in and tribes people in Congo, for example, they make drums out of rivers. Yeah. There, th- so, yeah. um, and you see fascinating examples about people around the world you lo- utilize their environment to make music yeah um so you you didn't even had had uh, had to have like the, the craftsmanship to create a flute from yeah, a yeah. bare bone so yeah. you just use just hitting something sticks yeah. and we don't yeah. sticks don't uh, last very long in, yeah. in the most places so we can see yeah this was a musical instrument or yeah. this was used as such yeah yeah mm. but um in general, the evolu- uh, like evolutionary anthropology tries to answer these questions. Yep. If we have a um, behavior that is a human universal, yeah. uh, so that every culture in the world uses it, it's not limited to a certain environment, a yeah. certain influence through trade or other, yeah, yeah. other cultures, it's, um, we have to guess that it has something to do with or it had some biological advantage or it has something okay. to do with our brain. or gen- does, it, does it have to have... Because, I mean, I think that that's the thing with, like, biology and science in general. We're always, like, there had to be, like, a practical reason for it to have developed. But I'm a little bit just, like, could it, could it not also just be, like, a, I mean, we're very different animals in that way in general. We have a conscious. We have, we pursue fun. I'm not saying animals yeah. don't, but you know what I mean? It's, like, a massive part of our happiness is based around, like, yeah. fun. I'm like, could that even have been like our? But it's also a practical reason because enjoyment, relaxation, yeah, pleasure, yeah, true, because true. What the, the 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 cost that comes from consciousness is also your awareness of death, your awareness yeah, of yeah. the future, and yeah. everything that that will come. So, or even like tribe building, right? So this yeah. idea, like, I don't know if you could take um, African culture. Whenever th- something good happens, they celebrate and they dance and they make a beat and they sing. Exactly. So that could even be of have been like a bonding. So there, there are three uh, theories when it comes to the evolution of music. Yeah. The, um, the one, the, the the first one is from Darwin, and um, because th- this was also already a question where Darwin wondered. Wow. Okay. Um, because music is a mystery when it comes to evolution, because really, from all observed societies, they practice it. Yeah. And they, the music is involved in their spiritual ceremonies, in their personal lives, in their. So it goes through every aspect of uh, of their lives yeah. often. Like today, and yeah, for, yeah, for, for, sure, for, for, for many sure. of us, yeah, yeah, and and the question is, if you have like such a behavior that is hard to acquire, yeah, takes and like we need a very spef- specific physique, for, like from our brain, our yeah. hand-to-eye coordination, yeah. how we perceive music, music, how we can our perceive ears and things as well, yeah. yeah. Like, th- this is very costly in yeah. terms of um, 
why should something develop like that and stick in like thousands and thousands of years of evolutionary yeah. pressure okay, and yeah. it sticks everywhere around so if it doesn't have an evolutionary like uh, or biological root it could also just okay. be that the way the patterns or our perception is uh, uh, perception uh, how we are perceiving the sound yeah. is just accidentally yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. ha having that but as I evidence accumulates over yeah. time we just have to make theories because we s we, we now um, have experience where we see okay the pleasure we have from music is very similar to sex yeah. when we're hungry to yeah. cocaine like yeah. to ver um, very primal um, like releases of endorphins yeah, yeah, yeah like in the nucleus accumbens and nuclear yeah. caudatus like these reward circuits yeah, yeah. Um, they also play with this uh, predictive coding framework of anticipating something oh, yeah, okay. and then we get pleasure uh, yeah anticipation, anticipation reward right yeah. that's always the basis and yeah. then anticipation is met we get the reward and if uh, it's not met okay. the reward is being um, is, is uh, being delayed and then when it hits maybe the reward is greater wow, so music plays with this reward circuits and since this limbic where, where these nucleus accumbens and caudatus is in the limbic system is a very ancient like yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. yeah yeah for sure yeah evolved re very recently and that makes us think so why can we get some so much pleasure from something from, that's from the patterns sense. okay I understand how what you mean now mm. that it's like well there must have been a benefit somewhere yeah um, and, uh, I especially think if it it would have dropped out on one part of society, no? Yeah. Like like one part of our development. Surely one culture would have actually dropped music if it wasn't necessary for them to I don't know, to exist. Other than just simply I like how it sounds. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. it must have actually had some kind of benefit. The the tribal aspect of it too is one that I was kinda curious with in terms of like so like we enjoy music when we're on our own, but I think that like active thing when people are together enjoying music that's something that's like so deep rooted in yeah. like we've seen from the past like two years the fact that we couldn't do it it's like it actually really affected people not only I think from the from like going out and drinking and no, doing no. whatever you want it was actually just being in a crowd and being, being surrounded together by people and yeah. yeah and that is that also quite like um, do you see that across all cultures is yeah. it something that people will always come together to enjoy yeah, music yes so um there are four musical ca uh, categories that are universal. So Samuel Mayer from Harvard did yep. a very interesting study about it two years or uh, three years ago, yep. um, where they uh, like analyzed a, a very large re register from 315 societies around the world, wow, like from crazy. very small societies to very big societies, yep. and they uh, they were looking for song types that were everywhere. And so they had like over 30 song types, and only four of those. Mm -hmm were found in all of those cultures. Okay. And those were dance songs, okay. love songs, healing songs, and lullabies. Wow, and cool. And all of those songs, uh, all of those song times have a, what you, you would say, a deeply rooted function for yeah. those societies. And yeah, I mean, yeah. Lullaby is quite simply getting infants to sleep. Yeah, yeah. Healing songs, That's it's trying to, we already had a feeling of how to use music as therapy, how yeah, to yeah. use it as a form of medicine, because it's also very... Uh, Linked to the spiritual cultures yeah. and uh, the the we acknowledge the emotional power of yeah. music to yeah, change yeah. our moods and I think that's why early people like realized maybe there's something magical about music yeah, yeah. because it yeah. really get you to dance. That's like even if you maybe don't want to, a beat yeah. can make you dance. Yeah, yeah. And that's <laughs> sorry. Before you go on, I had one uh, shout yeah. out to Dom. I had one friend and he was like, 
when you are a DJ and you're playing in front of people, he was saying that's the closest thing you can get to mind control. And it's the fact, and it's the same whether that's a band or you play a song, because you can influence someone's mood simply by the next track you choose. And I thought that's always stuck with me that it's, you know, even when people request a track and you're like, that's, that's not what you want. I know what you want more than you do right now. So anyway, sorry. So it's um, lullabies, um, healing, love songs. And dance songs. And dance songs. And so like you said, dance songs are an integral part of every society we yeah. have so observed. And um, so with the three series um, about the evolution of music, that's one, it's about social cohesion. Yeah, think okay. That, um, because social cohesion, I like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> music facilitates social cohesion. Yeah, yeah, we, for sure. We, like it's... So, People in general are very stubborn, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, so we, we saw those, yeah, yeah. that over the last few years, to yeah. say the least. And um, but and then you see how easy it is for a DJ or a band to yeah. to lead on people to yeah, yeah, yeah. move onto their yeah. movements as well and yeah. follow them. So um, or even just like the the position that top musicians have had in our society for a very very long time. You know, yeah. the likes of Mozart were the rock stars yeah. of the era you know what i mean and it still goes on through to today whether you're a singer or a rapper or it gets even bigger yeah even bigger it's even more that people will follow everything you do whether that's your fashion just because you sing well exactly exactly thing. yeah but just because no no, no i don't want to, to to put it down but yeah, yeah like no no for sure no yeah no i know what you mean i know what you mean yeah yeah that's crazy yeah um and then so with that as well in terms of kind of like how it affects us what actually happens in the brain when we hear that track that we like? So what is actually going on? So we're connecting these like loops that are actually going through our head and we're being rewarded by these like serotonin related okay. things. Is that like a full full body related thing or is that only happening in the center of our mind? Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, of course. Like, so there's a connection between us hearing that music and wanting to move. What is even that kind of like That comes from the motor cort cortex. Like okay. th that's a part of the brain and that helps you coordinate your eye that you can even play yeah. an instrument, drink a glass of water yeah. or um, ride, a, uh, ride a bicycle. Yeah. And the motor cortex is also something that's um, in the back of the brain close yeah. to the um, cerebellum. Yeah. So it's um, a very ancient part. Yeah. And that's also one of the reasons like music uh, is able to trigger this very straightforwardly so um as first when we hear a sound of course the sound wave goes into a ear the inner yeah. ear and when it's through the neurons it's transferred um to the auditory cortex and from there on it's spread uh, spread to the rest of the brain yeah basically yeah, but yeah. It, of course you can't say that easily the, the the movements in the brain are so fast that it's to us it looks like it's happening yeah yeah, yeah yeah for sure for sure yeah the, yeah mm. And then once it goes into your cerebellum, it's processed as basically, as you said, like a reward. And then it's linked to, is it even linked to the release of like serotonin and dopamine? Because I know dopamine has a huge effect on our, our movement. Yeah, like the, the nucleus accumbens and caudatus, that's not serotonin. So that's dopamine. That's the tip of the dopamine reward system. Only dopamine, okay. But um, music, interestingly, especially when we, and that's interesting for the cohesion part. Yeah. When we uh, participate in music and when we sing with others, there are studies of when we sing with strangers, um, we see dop uh, opioid re uh, release. So Why, really? So the pa uh, music um, decreases or uh, uh, increases our pain thresholds through opioid release. Why, that. really? And so through that, we really know that it's not esoteric. Music, yeah. and if well-developed, can really be an effective therapy for 
pain problems and other neurodegenerative disease. And I think that's... Do you think that's also why, like, so I, forgive me if I'm wrong, John only mentioned it very briefly. You've done your PhD on lullabies. No, my master's. master's. I'm, I'm doing right now my PhD applications because okay, okay. I want to continue the project right now. Okay, gotcha. Because I was just going to ask about lullabies then as well. This idea that like, okay, you're trying to soothe the child to go to bed. But is it even that aspect of it that when you hear, because we, we all know we're linked to like our mother's voice, right? Mm -hmm. So is it that aspect of it too when you hear your mother singing that was like a pain release for like children when they're like teething and stuff like that? Th that works as well, yeah. yeah. Um, so, but yeah, no, no. Because <laughs> it's like you're putting two and two together, but... <laughs> yeah, and, uh, so what's, what's, what triggers even more and that's uh, important for my thesis, uh, yeah. the, these, these opioid receptors, is affective touch, human affective ah, touch. Okay. So human beings in general are sensitive, and that's something we only know for like 15, 16 years, yeah. that we have uh, certain neurons in our skin. Mm -hmm. Other mammals also have those, uh, those neurons, but humans have much more of them as, as we currently know. And these are called CT afferents. And these neurons, they trigger more slowly than the spatiotemporal neurons you have that will just localize uh, uh, I was touched oh, like a touch, okay. then and there. Yeah. But a CT afferents, they only trigger um, through, through a certain speed, a range of speed, so, okay. which is the typical speed uh, where mothers all around the world uh, stroke, each, uh, stroke their infants. Oh, or, really? Or what we humans in general use to comfort each other. And only this kind of speed triggers the CT afferents and only wow. um, the CT afferents are also very sensitive to temperature. So if you have a glove, it will not trigger as well. It's oh, just if really? it's your pure skin and there's a scientific explanation for that. That's and mad. And yeah. the CT afferents also influence like uh, uh, reward centers and opioid receptors. And we know like they s the benefits of like human affective touch are so great that like the, the last two years like studies on that went crazy because yeah. we, we, we really realized what an important part of human communication is. That yeah, for sure, for sure. Touching our infants or friends, family. Oh, but they even talk about like, whatever, say, cuddling. Yeah, cuddling. <laughs> They're like, cuddling is a release of like, oxytocin. And they said that is, that, that helps you like, yeah. heal wounds, for yeah. example. They said your wounds will heal quicker if you cuddle your partner or uh, cuddle whoever. Yeah. And CT afferents are a big reason why cuddling is, so, what, was uh, it? Okay. Does, does that. And so, and the interesting thing is that there is like, a similar, uh, seems to be a similar pattern from, uh, when we're feeling comforted through through music, yeah, and when we are being touched by someone effectively. Wow, crazy! And that's um, because when my uh, my professor and uh, and me like we were we were thinking we were um, for a while about these topics and lullabies yeah. and what's yeah. like. Why is it universal? Yeah, why, yeah, yeah. why can can we soothe children and decrease arousal like with yeah, just yeah. just a melody, and. Um, my hypothesis was that it could could have been an through through an ev evolutionary impact of uh, these systems maybe being already in place the the, the pleasure system yeah. the reward circuits because we know how ancient music in general yeah. and musical yeah. practice is and that w through through the, through times when mothers were or caretakers in general were less able to handle their infants all the time or be with them um, all the time. Yeah. Young infants, they have very bad eyesight and they only like develop object permanence at eight months. So that's the typical peek-a-poo game. Yeah, oh, okay, uh, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so yeah. Because when you're away, 
you don't exist anymore. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For and sure. and so, but the the auditory sense is uh, developed quite well, and the tactile perception as yeah. well from touch. Um, so it could it could be that this is the re- related to the fact that those infants. Um, had a signal from their mother when they were not like inside yeah. because they had to work, they had to cook, they had to yeah. like all those activities, tedious activities yeah, that yeah, humans yeah. needed to do yeah. before we we were where we are yeah. today. But don't, don't they like? I mean, that occurs in the animal kingdom anyway, like a like a call and basically response kind of thing. So is this kind of like was that our version of a call? Like you hear birds, right? Birds yeah. are technically making music. It doesn't maybe affect them in the same way that it does for us. But it's a similar thing, right? It's this idea that it's like, where's mom? And mom will, yeah. whether it's a shout or it's a melody. So I think, yeah, it started as this kind of emotive signal link yeah. b- between mother and infant. Yeah. And as it developed, it, it um, maybe signaled the infant that everything is fine. So you... Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. Yeah, don't, gotcha. don't worry. I'm here. Yeah. And you can sleep. Yeah. And then if you generally... Think about where, when, how human communities live together in general. Yeah. How important it was that, like, in all the infants sleep well, because if you sleep together as a big group and there are yeah. infants around all the time, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and they would cry all the night, yeah. those groups you would attract predators. Those yeah. groups would have never had like yeah. any uh, resting sleep, which is important for immune system and part yeah. for fitness, resting for all those things. So there is a really, it's it's just so important to get infants to sleep. Yeah, that it could be the case that we developed something to mimic touch yeah. because we saw that the system, our auditory system, um, it was triggered in a similar way. It, or yeah. it, it receives the patterns in a similar way. And so I created a study, an international study, um, where the idea was if lullabies would trigger or if music would be related to DCT afferents, yeah. they should be in a tempo range with their BPM just like um, the oh, city. Jo- oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, at first, I uh, developed like a couple of methods to translate like the stroking velocity, the, str- the trigger yeah. CT afferents, and translate that into musical tempo into BPM. Whoa, and so um, we created an international study yeah. with a lot of. I had a lot of help from a lot of great people, yeah, so yeah. I, I, w- I couldn't have done it on my own. And we got like. Uh, French translations, Arabic, wow, Indian really? translations, Crazy. so that yeah, yeah. we could have access uh, to so many vocal samples from people around the yeah. world. And I developed a little app where someone had to sing just, at first you had to sing a lullaby for 30 seconds. Yeah. Then you uh, needed to sing a love song for 30 seconds okay. because it's also a universal song type. Yeah. And yeah. it's also like in the characteristic, sl- typically slow and effective like yeah. lullabies. So. But if there would be a difference between those two, yeah. that's Siebel, that would be um, supportive, uh, the, uh, that is supportive of the theory yeah. as yeah. a whole. And as the third, third song, they needed to sing a song that they would... A heavy metal one. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, individually choose to fall asleep. Because yeah. that was for me the also an interesting point, the subjective aspect of some people maybe choose drum and bass to go to sleep. Yeah, and yeah, some for sure, for sure. Still use a lullaby. I, I find, because I'm not as... I'm not as deep into music theory, like just because I mean, like I started as a DJ, and yeah. it's only now that I'm actually diving into music theory and chord progressions and all these kind of things. But BPM was always one that I was very interested in, anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. why is it that you know, like, um, why is it that like there's a set, you know, like one to eight BPM? They always talk about like that's one of like 
the key BPMs that make us dance. So the range, some people like to go faster, but in general, it will bounce around that range or it'll be half yeah. that or it'll be double that or whatever, you know? So I'm just kind of curious, is, is there like, like, um, is there a BPM that you've so far found that we will generally sing in our lullabies? Like, is there a, like, yeah, what's the range? We like, found that there is a, like, uh, from, uh, so I did two dead data sets, one yeah. from the study I created, yeah, and then yeah. we had, like, people, like, over 150 people, no, no, not, like, not over 150, over 120 people, yeah. but from, like, really a lot of countries, from Kenya to, yeah. like, Germany to Australia to, um, um, but we are still collecting data because, the more data, the be better. 100%, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's not something where you stop and say... It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, that's enough. I've done my master's, guys. <laughs> yeah, I'll see you later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because like I, I was not interested in doing that for my master's. I just used it yeah. for my master's, and now I c continue to project as, gotcha, gotcha, yeah. as far as it goes. Yeah. And the other thing is, like I just uh, then created a data set of 200 lullabies where I picked lullaby from al uh, almost every country, in the world, so I had like an independent data set from yeah. my study. Wow, so, crazy! And then I compared the two data set, and there's really like a range where you will find most lullabies in the world, we'll independent from yeah, yeah. culture, and that's also somewhere around the uh, 60, 65 BPM okay. rate, and which is very close to also to the resting heart rate in infants. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it's kind of with like I say with dance music yeah. when it starts like when between like. Uh, below of 120, we often say it's already down tempo yeah. in a way, yeah. because it's not double from the uh, resting heart. Yeah, rate yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And kind of this this forced increase yeah. in, in in this in our pattern perception, like it, it, it seems it, it to drives us, yeah, like it pushes us a bit yeah, more. Yeah, it really yeah. pushes us. So that's qu that's quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And for me, it was interesting because. Uh, there were only like a couple of of lullabies, and there are always exceptions who didn't fall into this range that was assumed for like the effective touch yeah. translation into BPM. So there's and was there a correlation between like certain like cultural aspects of? Um, we still we're still working on um, data on also we're trying to compare language, but when okay. you have, like there, you always have problems of influence because um, if I want to compare language, then I have. Um, Peruvian songs are in Spanish, but then you have the history of colonization. So yeah, maybe yeah, the lullaby. Yeah. That's in general a problem yeah. of anthropology today. Yeah. Um, it gets harder and harder to find um, people and cultures and things that are not already influenced by by the out outside sources. Yeah. Yeah, outside yeah, sources, yeah. and um, so it's important to do this now because yeah. as time moves on even more su su such uh, sources will disappear. Yeah. And it's, uh, at some point it will be basically impossible to make any original uh, anthropology, yeah. like where you just try to... I mean, evolutionary anthropology is also uh, flawed. That It's not like... And when you when you look at tribes, people, you want yeah. to say, like, this is how we lived uh, f 20 or 40,000 yeah. years ago. Yeah. But it's the closest we can get... Yeah, yeah, the closest we, uh, representation we can get of a different lifestyle. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I think I think in general the world has become so, I don't know, what can I say, connected. Yeah. That's like influenced, like whatever, China's heavily influenced by the States where yeah. it wasn't 200 years ago, 400 years ago. And so, um, and what about love songs then? So love songs are like another one that is shared around the world. Is it generally, I just find love songs very interesting mm. anyway, <laughs> this idea that you're either singing of a broken heart or you're singing to the person that you're yeah. interested in, right? Is that like correlative across the world as well? Were love songs generally to try and woo somebody 
or were they more just like you broke my heart i want to you know <laughs> like yeah i think there's more it's more way more diverse because yeah. also like the the the, the sorry you can move a bit further oh, so the sorry <laughs> yeah. the, the rules is like moving slower, slower. slower way, no. <laughs> yeah the, the rules of courtship and the rules of partnership the rules of love are very different in many cultures yeah and this i think also influences our way of uh acting on on, on those uh, oh, oh based on that okay, okay yeah and maybe also on how we compose something on what is appropriate to say what yeah. is not to, so um uh, when we go, go go far away from like our modern societies and you say like courtship is also always a political factor like who yeah, marries yeah, yeah. who yeah. and how is the a love portrayed yeah. and money is like uh, a massive aspect in a lot of cultures yeah, well, uh, st- like. yeah uh, stand or uh, your, your status yeah, or yeah. Where, mm-hmm. which family you are born in which religion you have so there were so many aspects for the most of human history that played an important role in who, who in you are lo- allowed to yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. to love and not allowed to love yeah. and I think it still matters today if we think about all the uh countries in the world that have laws against LGBTQ yeah. or, or songs about certain topics. Yeah. So, so we, we are much farther, but it's still, we can see why, um, how we laugh is, an, is a political topic. And I think that yeah. influences also how we express that. And in my study as well, I saw there was a much bigger range for laugh songs. They could be as slow as lullabies, which okay. was much rarer but it's also like in a lot of countries but it, they could also have like a almost dance song kind yeah, of yeah, uh, yeah, for uh, sure. effect to them yeah but that's why I was curious about it because even in our culture now love songs take on a, a huge range like love songs can I don't know even like some love songs I'm putting them in quotes is basically I want to hook up at the club you know like yeah. that's technically written as a love song towards whoever that person is in, in the club so that's why I was just wondering why like so take you've got lullabies you've got um like therapeutic songs mm-hmm. love songs for me was the one that kind of like stands a little bit kind of like out there it's just very very vague i know love is just a little bit more kind of like gray it's not black and white anyway um, and what about dance songs as well do they fall under a certain bpm in general across the world was it kind of like sitting at the 128 or was it it's, it doesn't have to be as fast and it, yeah. like i would generally wouldn't I would say that like the the dance music down tempo rule that we have is too harsh when we look at human cultures in general yeah. because like i would say more from 100 bpm upwards yeah. it already has the d- territory but bpm also doesn't tell you about like they can some other cultures can have like complex rhythmic variation yeah, yeah, within yeah, sure. beats and bars and yeah. those also influence how we perceive tempo and how we perceive uh, loudness as well yeah for sure um and also the the only other one that i wanted to ask about like um about like the cultural range as well when you were talking about like the scales that we have just to come back to that I have heard before that so we have our 12 bar or 12 note scale I should say but there's a lot of cultures that don't have don't sit within those 12 notes and that is very confusing to my brain because that's how my brain thinks now it thinks in the 12 mm-hmm. notes is it is it that they put in like a semitone where we usually wouldn't have a semitone or like or is it or is it that the scale is Set up in a different way. Like I'm like very it's, confused. It's, about no, it's, uh, it can <laughs> be. It can be both. Like <laughs> if you look at a Turkish scale, for yeah. example, that's where you have like quarter tones between. So you have an, oh, wow. and okay. that's also um, if we are not like if you're not used to it, if you yeah. didn't acquire the musical taste, you you 
brain also didn't like build connections, neurons that uh, make it sound rewarding. So oh. I remember for me as a child, yeah. like being on vacations in Turkey, I sound that the music was out of tune. Yeah, that, yeah, that, for that sure. What did you, did you feel like? Because yeah. you never heard some music do well, that. That's before. that's the case. Like, so I I was even thinking about it when it comes to like sound design. Um, And a massive part of like some of the like bass notes that I will make now is the fact that they're fine tuned and they're a little bit off, but our ear—it's just like very slightly, so our ear is incapable of kind of like noticing that. But if I put a quarter, <laughs> quarter tone, yeah. it's like you're gonna hear that. And so that's based on like us hearing it when we were younger, and everything was based in a whatever C to C scale kind of thing. Yes. So when you hear then those quarters, uh, yeah, okay. Is there any is there any like culture as well that will have like 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 a crazy amount of Different tones no, that are tones? but that's uh, so. That's the question. I think with quarter tones, we already reached the limit of how well our auditory uh, can separate so, each note. Yeah, yeah okay. can separate the pitches. So that's wow, uh, brings us back to the auditory cortex, yeah. which is responsible for relative and absolute pitch perception. Wow, okay. an absolute pitch perception is yeah. like the tone uh, in the frequency. Like, which is it? A on 220 hertz. Yeah. Uh, so then it starts with the overtones, and relative pitch is just like how the notes relate to each other with their distances, and yeah. that's why you can pitch a melody up and down, and you will still recognize the melody. Some, okay. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. okay, I got it. Got it. Wow, that's that's crazy. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was a lot of information, man. I'm just trying to like process. <laughs> there are a lot of great books, and yeah. also I think there's. A is there anything you'd recommend? Like, especially uh, for me, it would be yeah. I'd be hyper interested in like the anthropology aspect of it yeah there's um, this one great book it's called Music Evolution and the Harmony of Souls from Dan Harmon Dan and Harman, he really okay. uh, talks a lot so he goes uh, into from the just the, the evolutionary aspect of how your ear develop yeah. to how like sounds in generally are processed in the brain and then he talks a lot about those aspects about cohesion how music is related to altruism and uh, helping others cooperation yeah. and And also about the aspects of music therapy and why we sing today. So it's it's really a step by step book, and I think it's easy to reread if you're genuinely interested in a yeah. topic and you're yeah. not afraid of looking something up, a concept up for for a second. Yeah, for and sure. You don't have to rush through yeah. anything. Well, that was that's the only interesting as well. Like I base my entire existence around trying to be creative and like music, right? Whether that's like it's the first thing I listen to in the morning, it's the last thing I listen to before I go to bed. Like most people, but It's funny that your brain will only get to a point and it won't question why it is that this thing is so influential on in your existence. I mean, like we all know about food. Food and nutrition are a massive topic at the moment and people will discuss it all the time, but people won't discuss why. Like, I, I don't know. I, I've, my brain works like that in general, but I've never done it with music. That's why you coming on and discussing these things. All of a sudden, I'm just like, wow, give me all the books. Yeah. <laughs> I read them all. I'm so, I'm so curious as... as Yeah, go on. It's also a great uh, topic to be interested because, yeah. like, as we speak, there are like experiments being made, and yeah. we learn about our brain and how we perceive music. And I think within the next ten to twenty years, we will have like a lot of advancement, really understanding of how we yeah. perceive harmony. Because um, relative absolute pitch and timing, which uh, those are quite easy um, yeah. to to not quite easy, but. Yeah. Um, Co compared to harmony, like complex chords that yeah. build upon another, yeah. it's, it's much harder. And then, then you really see, uh, like with the scales of other cultures, which have like different, not yeah. only like quarter tones, they have like tones in different uh, places on the spectrum yeah. and yeah. Of, and they have different steps. So, for example, in our ma minor scale, 
um, we have the half step from the uh, two to the three yeah. and to the five to the six and there could be like there are plenty of scales you have from the one to the two and to the five to this oh, uh, yeah, okay, okay. or from the set so and that will sound dissonant to you if yeah. you're not u- used to it yeah for uh, sure so I think that's what, well I mean that's even the mm. case with like jazz music for example and the whole yeah. point of jazz music is like syncopated and I don't know, from my brain, I'm just like, this sounds like a mess. This sounds like a complete mess. But it's like people are understanding the harmonics on an even higher level. I understand the syncopation aspect of it too plays a huge role in jazz. But for me, they're like going up and down scales so quick. I'm like, I don't really understand <laughs> what this is trying to sound like, you know. Um, I think uh, most people have that with free jazz. Yeah, with free. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, re- it's really hard yeah. to enjoy free jazz. And yeah. I, it's like, like, I tried, Yeah. but I think you have to be very aware of all the harmonic relations yeah, that, that yeah, there are sure. because um, these people are breaking the, the it sounds random to us but yeah. these people are breaking the rule in such an elaborated fashion yeah. that we, we can't even comprehend yeah. uh, how it's done and maybe and I don't say that it's about every line in jazz music that it's just it's also intuition it's also because a lot of it is improvisation yeah, yeah. and as you play an instrument uh, guitar or bass like you play with these patterns every day and you and these patterns become more and more subconscious yeah so yeah. also there there's a level of i think at a certain point you have an, uh, they are so innate that you start going beyond them more yeah because yeah. You, you you've tried every you know yeah, that for how sure, the one for sure. is played in but that, that's what they talk about like art in general right yeah. art or oh, i don't know oh, yeah just art in general is this idea that you get to a point where you're just like okay where's the next boundary where's the next like part that you're pushing through through to the other side and then what is on the other side and I can as- only assume that a jazz artist thinks that probably from day one when they get very 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 good they're probably just like okay yeah. I know every scale backwards and forwards I know all the har- harmonic combinations what can I do that will not be within that you know yeah that's like with w- freestyle because like yeah, yeah. I know it only from I've been freestyling like rapping with friends for 10 years now yeah. so yeah. so and at, at least ten years, and I know when it when you start, it's uh, it's a weird feeling, yeah. just like playing an instrument, because uh, normally when you speak, you know what to say, and you just automatically finish the sentence without yeah. thinking about it. And in general, when people freestyle very well, it's the same thing. They yeah. just innate, uh, made some some patterns innate, and you know after this word, there's like a lot of words that can follow it yeah. and then there's a lot of words that can follow that yeah. and the quicker you become at des- that process you, the better you can freestyle yeah, and yeah, the more sure. creative you become but that that's an int- interesting example as well because I've learned that about rap as well where there, oh, I can't remember his name now but Moz Def was talking about this rapper mm-hmm. and it was like he was then doing it that you knew what the word would, would be that he would rhyme it with and he would purposely choose a word that doesn't fit that there's like some some terminology for I don't know what it is. Yeah, but know? then we also play again with the prediction system. That's what I mean. So yeah. he was playing with the idea that he knew everybody say it's yeah. one, two, three. Instead of saying four, he's going to say six. You yeah. know, and it was this yeah. idea that you were going to rhyme, but he was taking away that rhyme almost as like a tease to be like, actually, fuck you, I'm not going to do that kind of thing, which I think is like I don't know, very. It's great. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's great how music can play with yeah. our sense of context. Yeah, like yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Do you um do you find now when you actually sit down to make music that you are influenced with all this knowledge, or is it still a very like emotive feeling based thing, or you know is your brain running through every different possible combination and thinking about quarter tones, or when you sit down and you're literally like it's me and my piano, it's me and my guitar, and I'm just trying to make music I like. 
So I think it's both. Yeah. I think it's both but because sometimes I experiment based on, because I think it's really interesting, I try to experiment based with what I've learned from neuroscience. Yeah. But I wouldn't say that, that this uh, guides my creative process. It's okay. more of like, uh, with, with harmony, a general rule of thumb is start more simple than complex. Hundred, well, that was one really interesting thing that I've learned is like your music theory can go through the roof but people are more likely to remember a simple harmony. And that's what, like, with techno music, that's always the case. Like, you, you know? Who listens to Schoenberg? Who yeah, goes, yeah, like, exactly. Who's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Turn it up. <laughs> and, like, it's the same with these chord progressions who yeah. have been used thousands and thousands yeah, of yeah, times, yeah. and they still do their job. It's not like yeah. if you use a, a two-five-one in, in jazz that you're uncreative. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. There's still a million ways yeah. how to utilize this yeah. chord progression. So, um, it's, like, I know at a time when I said, so... I'm just like really starting to um, create a lot of music again yeah. since like a couple of months because through my masters I just didn't have enough time, time or just mental energy like mental actually, en it pulls yeah. it out of you yeah and like with organizing stuff and then often you find yourself with like just working like editing uh, vocals because yeah. also you have, I'm an engineer for a job and then you ah, okay, okay. So, yeah. so you just uh, editing a vocal for one month and you go crazy because you yeah. have heard every single syllable yeah, 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 a billion yeah. times and now it's more of a I just want to uh, try out things and yeah. how they how they feel because it's still you still have to use your ears despite it's not you cannot make music from knowledge yeah yeah all. for sure of course of and course, with everything yeah. you maybe and that's with like a lot of people get it mo wrong about music theory the things like ah oh, it will get you uh, make you less creative and with oh, all yeah. those rules and then I don't think that's the way it just opens up the possibilities for you and then you can play with those possibilities this is what somebody was saying to me when it comes to like producing as well and it was this idea that like like knowing your tool say, say it's a paintbrush it's not a DAW it's a paintbrush that you're using if you know your paints you know your paintbrush you know your canvas back to front it just means that then your spectrum of what you're actually able to create from that canvas is much broader and I think that's that's the aspect that like I'm personally still as I said my knowledge with regards to like production and music theory is still very far from feeling complete maybe everybody yeah. is in the same <laughs> realm but at the same time it's like as I increase my knowledge it means that I can be more creative more even like maybe I don't want to say specific because that doesn't sound very artistic but I can be more what's in my head will come out on the on the canvas a lot easier than it than I did when I when I didn't have those like technical knowledge or the music theory as well it's like i have this great melody in my head but i have no idea what a minor chord is yeah you know it's not it's not gonna come out i'm not gonna be able to write it then yeah i was just curious because it's like if i don't know it, it's even that aspect of if if you're like overthinking lullabies all day every day how do you find then sitting down and being like okay i want to write a song or do you just have like a french lullaby like <laughs> running through the back of your head no, like i listen to so much different music for me anyway, it's okay. really because like People often say, "Ah, oh, I listen to all kinds of music," and then yeah. they listen to three genres. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'd probably be and in like, that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, for for me, it's like I like Mongolian throat singing. Yeah. I like like weird classical music. I like rap, techno, indie. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I learned how to get a bus, let's say, from, from all of kinds of music. Yeah. And uh, of course, they are music that you like more than others or that yeah. you have or there's certain situations history. right yeah. yeah there's certain scenarios that you're going to want like you don't want to listen to a context dependency yeah yes. exactly yeah yeah, so yeah. 
with cooking, uh, like there are certain songs when I'm cooking with my girlfriend, we like to listen to soul music, yeah. like classic yeah. Stevie Wonder stuff. Yeah, it yeah. gets you in a good mood for yeah, yeah, chopping for sure. vegetables. Yeah. When I'm alone or with a friend, we might as well put on some Irish sea shanties yeah. or something <laughs> because you can just sing along and it gets yeah, yeah, you in good sure. spirit. Yeah, yeah. And I actually, sorry, I just have a funny like anecdote yeah. for that. Um, I. I was back home, I think that one was that, like two years ago. And it was during COVID, but I have this friend, shout out to Fred. I don't know if he listens to this. Fred basically lives in a cave for all I know okay. right now. <laughs> but he, it was amazing. So his dad had a workshop and he, he lives like literally in the, in the like hills of Ireland, you know. Mm-hmm. And we go in and he's turned his workshop basically into a pub. And he, he has like a pool table in there. We had like a big dinner on the pool table. There's a fire. And then we just sat and just like got super, super drunk. And um the main thing that we were playing were things like the Pogues and all these like classic Irish songs and then some people like started singing and all that kind of aspect. I would never listen to the the Pogues or not never but I didn't listen to them that much before then and now I associate that experience and obviously we grew up with it like I'm from Ireland obviously and uh, I grew up with all those kind of things but for me it was always the similar way that people would be like like classic Bavarian music you kind of have like an association to it that it's like that's not cool that's Like, like older songs or if I can put it that way but now I have this association towards Irish music because of my heritage and things like that I I listen to it more now than I did when I actually lived in Ireland because of that association which I think is like I don't know funny (laughs) yeah but it's also like uh, it points to the direction where you say music is a pattern and it like makes us remember other yeah. things as well because yeah, yeah, yeah. when we uh, re- uh, perceive that pattern again we also have like a, a, a reminder of what happened along that pattern yeah for sure for so sure. like when you have uh, had a certain girlfriend and that was all your song and whenever to, yeah. you will listen yeah, to that yeah. song you will have maybe memories of your relationship will not want to listen to the yeah. song anymore yeah that for sure all the time sure. to people yeah, or the experience of when you saw that band, when you saw that band yeah. live. And or I think vacation. That's, yeah, I think that's even like another funny one that people will like listen to a band at say a festival that they would have mm-hmm. never listened to outside of that actual experience. And because it was live and they were in a crowd and it was a you know a weekend that they were cut off from their phone, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. They'll come back from that festival and be like, this band are the, are the shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're like, that terrible band? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the association of, of music to all aspects of our life like is just so so interesting in general like it's a weird thing when people don't have a taste in music or they don't have a they just listen to what is played at them i think anyway you know when people are like oh i just listen to what's on the radio i'm like have you not thought deeper into it have you not like explored it more similar to food i I suppose but actually there is a human disorder called amusia which is in four percent of the population where we have problems in the auditory cortex with absolute and relative pitch perception oh wow okay which makes complex harmony for those people like unenjoyable yeah like uh, unenjoyable or unrecognizable also unrecognizable but it's not we we don't have like a one way of how Amusia plays out. Some yeah. people, it's just like they can't remember even the patterns and rhythms of the memory. Yeah, yeah. From the, the, the chords sound dissonant all the time. For them, the rhythm sounds wow, cha- chaotic. Yeah. And so, um, through this uh, neurodegenerative disease, or, uh, or this uh, not disease defect, through yeah. this, like, it can be a defect from uh, from birth or it can be through brain damage. Oh, wow, okay. Four percent. Uh, Four percent, yeah. That I actually was, seems like quite a large. I was wondering that as well. So I don't think like that most people who have amusia are aware of the fact 
they just just don't enjoy music and yeah. make a big deal about it. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. And maybe maybe I think like through 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 their childhood, through like the culture surrounding them, they can get used to it or grow yeah. grow fond through a memory, but they will not enjoy it as other people do through yeah. their just pattern yeah. pleasure of pitches. Do do you think then there's like a, a complete complete other end of the spectrum then that you know so take people who are perfect pitch mm -hmm. that fascinates my brain because mm. the idea that somebody could play an e yeah whatever e sharp chord and somebody will hear that and be like oh it's an e sharp i'm like what are you fucking talking yeah, about yeah. that's crazy they listen to a song and then yeah or even just like the the rhythms of like um say it's a train they'll be able to hear what pitch the train is in i'm yeah. like what are you that's madness to me so is there also then like another like end of the spectrum so there's people who really really don't as you said, have they can't even contemplate what these like melodies and things are. Is there a complete other spectrum where it's just like people will will just be like they'll hear a melody and they'll al like almost come to orgasm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like what is there? Yeah, I think like the, the um, so there's also like uh, I think only twenty percent of. But I could be wrong on that percentage. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah, so, sure. so but like a, yeah, yeah, I think it's like roughly around twenty percent of people are the ones who get shivers from music. Oh, like it's only twenty percent. Yeah, oh, yeah. Wow, okay, yeah. So that's also a special kind of reaction. Yeah, where, yeah. where we have that comforting, short pleasure feel yeah, of yeah. can be, and that's interesting. It can be from a very slow song. It's comforting yeah. or on the dance floor when the yeah, for sure, uh, for sure, when the drop is coming. So, um, but. Well, there are always human extremes in our like not our, our brains are not the same in ways like some humans are much more sensitive to certain yeah. stimuli. Some yeah. humans are so like so sensitive that they could not listen to something that goes faster than that or yeah, is more yeah, yeah, more, yeah. Yeah. Uh, more high pitched. So I think yeah, definitely there are also people who will have like a bigger ecstasy yeah. big effect, like a bigger enjoyment from music. Um, but I'm not sure whether it's. I, I don't think it's based on a genetic. Genetic uh, aspect. It might just as, be as, okay. As, as much yeah, I know or, what you mean. Yeah. But it's probably somehow based on something, but we don't know yet. And then because like, I, I just get curious with those things in general, in terms of like trying to like go down the pursuit of making music. And they always talk about like people who are hyper talented. Oh, they were genius when they like I don't know mm. when they actually started messing around with music. They came up with these insane ideas. Mm -hmm. I understand that there's a balance between, you know. Um, Sorry, what is it? Uh, genetic versus genetic versus um, okay. talent versus no, nature versus no. Nature. Thank you, thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> this happens on the podcast all the time. I forget how to speak English. <laughs> I bring everybody on. And I'm like, can you speak <laughs> English? I can't. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Yeah, and it like I even just get curious about that. Like, is it that there are people out there who it's just like the second they start actually interacting with some form of musical instrument, they are just going to crush it compared to other people because we all have like genetic dispositions i'm not gonna be yeah. an nba player for so example. so of course um not everybody will have like the because like an, an infant as well if you can play us one four-year-old yeah. will have will be much more developed in that area than the no, other no, or, yeah, yeah. or can be generally more developed than, than another four-year-old so it's really hard to and and generally of course we, we shouldn't compare children of course uh, of course yeah, but yeah. um the genius thing. There's a lot of discussion about that, and I, I'm I'm not too sure what to think about it. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of the, I'm I'm kind of in the the camp where we say, 
there's like maybe genius, but not as much as we emphasize on yeah. it. It's maybe just you have very good hand-eye coordination. Your creativity yeah. comes from also... Yeah, you uh, can like reach out and touch it easier than some people, for example. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's just a, medi- mer- uh, a myriad of factors who yeah. play into that. So it's really hard to say what... Um, it can just be also at the right place at the right time. There could have yeah. been yeah, yeah. a lot of more Mozarts who just never touched, had the chance 100%. to touch a piano. Yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. Yeah. I think about that with regards to like specific things in our world anyway. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like there's only a set amount of people in the population mm. who will ever get to drive a Formula One car. It doesn't mean that there's loads of them that w- wouldn't be good at it, for example. But it was even just like, I, I get curious about that. So take ears, like you're an audio mm. engineer as well. And like f- figure, like learning that your ears can actually adapt to hearing all those tiny little elements of a track was like a weird thing for me to experience mm-hmm. you know people had talked about it but it's like okay now i am actually finally after four yeah. years of producing it's like i'm finally starting to actually experience that a little bit so that's why i was wondering if it's also i don't know like how much of that can we learn like is it's, it it's yeah. all of that like yeah br- like th- with your brain it's with whatever you do if you do it more your brain will yeah. strengthen the connections so yeah. you have will have more synapses and uh, synaptic connections which will make it easier yeah. to to listen and separate ah no you know this is the higher this is the symbol yeah. and these layers get wider and wider yeah. the more you do it yeah. and that's a funny thing because that's also a, I think it's it's a good thing it's a necessary thing it's a producer yeah. but it's also a problem because you lose the perception <laughs> yeah. that you once have how to listen to a track and yeah. you don't know like, oh, I've talked about this before. This like get you just get fucking sick of the track. You know? yeah, like yeah. as you're saying, you hear the same vocal for a week. It's like you'll hear it when you sleep. You'll hear it when you brush your teeth. You're yeah. just like, like I can't do it anymore. Actually, I hate this track. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> exactly. not for You do get to all. a point yeah, that you're yeah. just like, this is trash. Yeah. Somebody's like, oh, I love this tune. You're like, this is trash. I can't listen to it anymore. Yeah, that's a funny one. And do you think that even will like again? Does that like come back to having an influence on our like on our creativity then as well when you over? analyze those things it does right? Uh, yeah it does it does yeah. so i think we, we all have like uh, i think sometimes some things like writer's block where it's yeah. harder to create yeah. and sometimes than another and it's often because of either we we feel like we don't know like what to do at a certain yeah, yeah. time or like we are not happy with what we're producing like yeah. whatever it can be like my mood and then the other day i would create something like oh that sounds nice and yeah. the next day would be it's completely garbage i don't yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah, I want yeah. to listen to yeah. it and I even just think that's the funny thing about like the, the neuroscience aspect of our brain. The fact that like when we, or even like your your ears will get numb when you, you yeah. know, they say you should take an hour's break. Yeah, the fa- ear fatigue. You yeah, have the ear fatigue. The- like that's even just an interesting aspect of it. It's like our brains aren't, brain slash like our ears, I guess the like hardware isn't made to be able to listen to like a techno track for an hour straight into your head while you overanalyze it in your brain. You it's know very I mean? overstimulating. Yeah, so, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and in a way, it's just like having air conditioning on. Yeah. Uh, because like in after a while, you your brain says, yeah, this is not an important noise. Yeah, I'll yeah. put it away or yeah. at least the details are not that important. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's a very weird thing to experience as well, just for our listeners <laughs> who have got this far in the podcast. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> I... 
I like it's a very weird thing to experience because you'll you'll do your mix down, step away from it, and come back the next day or whatever, and you're like, what the hell was I doing? It's like I didn't take a break, and my ear fatigue was very apparent. Yeah. You know, it's and a crazy experience. You filtered something out because you, it was oh, it's too harsh. Well, yeah, yeah, my like high, my highs. Yeah. I, I really notice it with the high low balance. It's like the the second that my ears are like fatigued, I start pushing the highs when they don't need to be pushed at all. It's a weird thing. I don't know. Yeah, really. For for yeah. me at first, it was also. Something we have to okay. I need to take these twenty minutes breaks yeah. after an hour, or it's completely useless. Yeah, yeah. So the mix, mix will get worse and not better if yeah, you don't yeah. take these breaks. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, that was very, very interesting, Ben. Yeah, I think you will definitely be a repeat guest. It was <laughs> great to be in here. It was a great pleasure talking <laughs> Thank to you. Thank you so much. Yeah, and I, I was trying to like. Like, uh, what can I say? I was trying to like guide it a little bit more in my brain and be like, okay, I'll take Ben over here and then we'll go like this way. And then once you started talking, I was just like, just keep going, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I would be glad to doing this again in the yeah, future. Really and I think cool. there's still like yeah. a lot of things to talk about. Regarding. Yeah, and also, and just as well with, with your progression, so you're waiting to hear back if you, so you're a PhD candidate at the moment. Yeah. It? Yeah, and you're waiting to hear back. From so that. When, when will you hear? Um, in uh, so in ab April I will hear if I'm invited to the Graduate School of Systemic Neurosciences wow, in, cool. uh, in Munich. Yeah. So and uh, so I put my application on a to to continue my project on yeah. lullabies, but with better equipment, yeah, more yeah, tools, yeah. and like yeah. a much bigger more budget. resources. <laughs> and I, like yeah. uh, now I will also uh, write an application for the DFG, which is like the Deutsche Forschung, Forschungsgesellschaft okay. German. Um, sci science societies oh, okay. so and they yeah. um, they also have like nice nice grants for individual projects and I will try there as well yeah. and then I see yeah, like, well, what comes best out of, of luck it. with it I, I definitely want to get you on once you actually start going through that process and you have a little bit more data on all these things it'll be yeah. really interesting to see what you're finding as you go looking forward to it yeah yeah thank, thank you very so much. much yeah thank you